I didn't know what time we could crack one up, but folks, we're live. <laughs> Ryan, the man, the myth, the legend behind Whitestone Brewing. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> we're at we're at the brewery, so if you guys hear some background noise, suck it up. This is how the this is how the world works today, kids. Uh, we are um, today. We're watching Smokey and the Bandit. We just got we a little pre pre talk, having some yeah. fun. It's brand new to me. <laughs> <laughs> brand new, yet we've seen it. Yeah, that's the that's the best yeah. part, right? A little lifetime ago, a, li yeah. a lifetime ago. So um, we will uh, just for you guys who are out there, we're just go a minute in, and uh, you can watch the movie as, as we go on. So uh, as we were talking about, and, and I found this really interesting, this movie is all about, crazily enough, it, it really is just about getting a girl back. At the core of it, it's getting the girl back, and it's wrapped around bootlegging. Now, for those that listen regularly, you guys know uh, I've done some minor bootlegging in the past. My wife is from Kentucky. Nice. And we drive out there during the holidays. Okay. And she's from a holler in Kentucky. Where it's like, you don't go up that road. Where Jimmy lives. Jimmy shoots. You got a call first. I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I don't want to get shot by Jimmy. Yeah. And they they're not big beer fans. So they kind of look down on beer a little bit. Uh, and they look down on wine and everything else. They're like, we don't drink here. Would you like some moonshine? And I was like, eh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, sure, why not? Let's let's go after Let's get some moonshine. When in Rome, right? When in Rome. <laughs> Apple pie moonshine. Yeah. The white lightning that'll put some hair on your chest. That it will. Add some of that, yeah. That'll... I like to soak the maraschino cherries in it. Oh, my goodness. And then I just hand someone a cherry, and it's almost like giving them a ghost pepper, but oh, they yeah. don't know. <laughs> it's like giving them one of those pot gummies, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, What's this? You just try it. Yeah. Don't smell it. Just try it. And then that breath just leaves them, and their face gets red oh, yeah. like the cherry. It's fantastic. <laughs> Done that many times. Many, many times. Uh, so we that is, that is our extent of bootlegging. Of course, back in the day uh, when, I guess, Coors' big theme was the Rocky Mountain water, uh, they... Um, they had this thing where they just, uh, they only had, uh, hold on, we're going to pause real quick. I got a gentleman popping in here. Yeah, you can just leave it right there. Bring it back to a, to, a, to a pause you guys didn't even know existed. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, but it, it was the land of, you know, the, the Rocky Mountain waters, if you will, and what was going on there. And uh, that is what moved on to, um, to create this nostalgia. And then you couldn't get it on the East Coast. Kind of like hmm. I guess you can't get Yingling over here. Right? Yeah. They're they're, they're distributed. Much that at all. Not yeah. don't see that at all. And it created uh, some some bootlegging for Coors. I remember going growing up in Montana and you know, fried chicken and Coors or I mean there there was three. Well there was four. In my mind. There was Oli, there was Rainier, yeah. Yeah. Coors, 
And Lowenbrow. I love it. <laughs> you are bringing it back right now. <laughs> you got a, you got a much better memory than I do, but it just, it's all cobwebs are starting to clear. Cobwebs are good. So what, as, as the movie's kicking off here, before we get too deep into the movie, what, uh, how did this come about? Uh, Whitestone, kind of a hobby turn profession, which you probably hear a lot about nowadays. Yeah. People doing that. Um, I worked in the software world for, for 12 years, homebrewed, um, and probably a six-year hobby of periodically homebrewing um, and just getting tired of the corporate world. Um, told my wife she couldn't park in the garage anymore because it was all <laughs> beer stuff. Um, so we relocated here to Cedar Park. Uh, two daughters, school systems, business climate was great. So decided to just kind of pull the trigger. And nice. Got a business plan together, some investors, and got them really, really drunk. And <laughs> here we are. <laughs> now you have... Three regular brands that are out here in Austin, Texas, right? Or yeah, regular flavors, I should say. Yeah, in package, uh, yeah, we have our, our core three, uh, Long Gone Blonde, our Converter Kolsch, and our Lovely Day IPA. Um, My favorite. No yeah. offense to the others, but just... Sure. No, there's a lot of great beers out there, and that's what's great about this industry. Um, we do some seasonal skews, so looking at the pool in front of us right yep. now, we, we just released our Melted Snowman, so stout-based winter warmer. Uh, that just went into HEB's. And it's a one one and done thing uh, that went in Mondays, so Ooh. it's our little kind of two month skew. Okay, put out there. Um, it's popular. It's uh, I guess one of those festive kind of spiced up. It's it's our version of a pumpkin beer, which we probably will not be doing any kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a uh, was there a, a beer or? beers that inspired you to get into brewing that, that they were missing something or that you liked and wanted to replicate in some way and then branched off into your own uh ironically enough when when i started this thing i even joked around about not having an ipa you know being the one brewery i was never going to do that but I, I joke around about it i really didn't have that much of a, an appreciation for uh, and and you know the company i worked with uh they're based on the west coast so west okay. coast ipas were like i mean they were just punch you in the face IPAs and you know kind of got started with like arrogant bastards from stone yep so it's these these beers that I had a really hard time appreciating um, the hot profiles because they were it was, you were just getting that uh, you know really that pungent hop oil just that 90 IBU just yeah. kicking you right in the teeth yeah so until probably a year ago Maybe even until the hazy craze came out, I, I really didn't have that great of an appreciation for, for the hot profile. So part of it was to kind of uh, explore that a little bit more, explore okay. IPAs a little bit more. There were a lot of good, good ones out there, and I, I'm not knocking any of them. Um, and I love that just the evolution of IPAs has has kind of created this cult following in the, in the beer industry. I mean, you can credit the fact that we're here because... Beers like that just continue to evolve, right? And mm -hmm. New styles like the, the New England IPAs or Hazy IPAs. So, uh, originally though, not really. I mean, it was just, you know, I originally fell in love with, with beer just from growing tired of the corporate grind of, you know, these insane weeks that you don't even know. Uh, you know, I had a team around the world, so it was like when my guys in the U.S. were, were shutting down, my guy in Tokyo was waking up. And, yep. And you know, on a Saturday, I go in the garage, brew. I didn't really care what style. I just like to do different styles all the time. And uh, 
before I knew it, it was 10 hours later and I hadn't thought about software one more time. So going, this is great. It's good mental, you know? yeah. mental break. I mean, my shirt was soaked and I'm sweating my ass off, but it was awesome. So. Yeah, but that, that's a, that's the good feeling of work, right? There's the, and it's not necessarily the dread of work because I mean, you know, work affords us some of our lifestyles and, and sure. the choices we're able to make and do. I've said many times this podcast that I will teach my daughter not to save for a financial tragedy. You know, they say, you know, three months savings for this, and you want this for this. And I'm like, I don't want her to put money away for doom and gloom because then there's a cap to it. I want you to put money away for a passion. Sure. Put, put away money so that you can go on a whim. If you decide I want to be a librarian, you can go do it. Even That's though actually it might, good advice. You know, it's just look at things in a positive instead of a negative manner, sure. right? And, and it seems like you did that as well. You, you, you did the right thing. You found your passion. You're like, oh, wait, I can sweat my ass off in the garage making beer where the neighbors are peeking around the corner going, is it ready? Is it ready? <laughs> yeah. With that being said, don't start a brewery. Otherwise you'll max out every credit card you have. And yeah. <laughs> not exactly a good savings plan. But I, but I will say, I mean, the, the numbers over the last 15 years in South and Southeast United States show that over a 10 year period, if you last over 10 years, you, you have an 85% success rate as a brewery. Sure. sure. Now on the other hand, you know what your success rate is as a church? Starting a new church? I actually don't. No. Less than 10%. Wow. In the Bible Belt, less than 10% startup. Churches make it 10 years, and 85% of breweries do. That's interesting. It's, it shows <laughs> that, you know, listen, there was wine back in the day for a reason. Sure. Now there's beer in this day for a reason. Yeah. And believe me, I looked at that, you know, <laughs> beer's economy proof, right? You can argue that in 2008, people drank more. So Yeah. <laughs> Is that... Um, is there a style of beer that maybe in 2019 you're gonna you're gonna try to try to do or that you've never done before? Uh, yeah, we haven't really set all the goals for next year. There's some legislation out there that can really change what we're doing, but um, we've been for the last three months completely playing around with just hazies. We right now we're brewing our eight and a half minute abs, which is a double hazy. Um, and, and the reason for that is number one, we double hazy. Double hazy. We have to drive. Back up here from Circle it's good. C. It's good. We, we did a uh, we did a pilot batch of it, and it, it you know our pilot system is small. It's actually the, the system I used to to brew on, uh, okay. home brew on, uh, produces a single keg. But it was, I think, our sat, the second fastest keg that we've sold in the tap room. So it flew, and I mean it's eight and a half percent beer. So yep. for an eight and a half percent beer to sell really fast in the summertime is mm -hmm. a pretty good thing. So it's a great thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's. It's just a, it's the biggest hop beer that we've put in. So kind of spared no expense. Hops are expensive, as everybody probably knows. Um, so it's going to be an exciting beer for us. But um, just the experimentation of these hazies, we'll probably take them in next year. And then we're also going to um, we're also going to do a Trapel. Uh, we have a pilot right what, now. What's a Trapel? Trapel is a Belgian style. Okay. Uh, it's usually the golden ales that you see that are really beefed up. Uh, okay. So they're usually around 9%. So Fantastic. Hit just above 9%, I believe. So, um, yeah, we, we want to start – Belgian styles are, are can be very tricky beers to, to brew. So we, we've had that on our radar, but these hazy – we've been playing around with these hot profiles so much that it kind of took over the second half of the year for us this year. And we'll probably take – the first quarter of next year, we'll probably still be doing that. So, um, but yeah, we haven't really set the the course yet. We'll probably do that next month. 
uh, maybe even into January, since that legislative session takes place in, Jan in January, that can affect our trajectory pretty tremendously. Okay. There was a thing, and this is, I mean, so I was in the beer business 23 years ago. Okay. Uh, launched a brewery out of Whitefish, Montana called Black Star Beer, a double hop premium lager. It was that middle road between a hoppy beer when Sierra Nevada and Red Hook were first coming sure. around. Yep. And Budweiser. And mine at Wessinger was the uh, the founder. He um, <laughs> His great-grandfather created uh, Old English. And mine wow. claim to fame was creating St. Hyde's. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And his great-great-grandfather was Henry Weinhardt. Okay. Uh, so we, we had done that, and then I ended up selling Steel Reserve. I was the West Coast sales manager nice. for Steel Reserve. <laughs> just, my friends in college are still like, yeah. I love parties. It. I want that backstory. <laughs> <laughs> I might steal it. They were, uh, but it was, it was interesting watching uh, the growth phase and then the, not necessarily the death of the, the microbrews, but there was, there was a lull in the growth. It's almost like sure. it. You know, they uh, didn't get the right nutrition, didn't get what it needed to pop. And now, I mean, with beer camps and everything else, I mean, there's walls. You can buy plaques for walls where you can collect beer caps and cans and put them up in those states. And instead of you doing a lot of the work, not saying you still don't have to do work, but they're creating destination spots for hmm. people by just putting Texas with, you know, 50 beer caps that you can put up in there or cans or pieces of cans and say, go, go find 50 different beers mm -hmm. in this area. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating to see the, the, the excitement for beer. It's also, I wonder where the, the fanboy enthusiasm dies off at some point. Yeah. And how many people are actually hardcore still in love? Because if you listen to Budweiser or, you know, any of those other people, they're buying up as many of you guys as they can sure. because they don't think it's fanboy. They think it's 100%. Like they're, they're leaving Bud Miller Coors in the dust. Yeah, and I, I think you're, you'll already see that change. You know, I think it was the Q3 earnings report from Anheuser-Busch that said no more. Like We're not, we're not buying any more breweries. Like, this yeah. is not. Which, I mean, we all sat there and go, what are they going to do? Just you know, buy every single brewery and eliminate the competition that way? So we always kind of wondered that. But, yeah, I mean, part of what you said is, is the reason why you got to admire the guys like Live Oak. Uh, chip and you know they've been through those lulls and yeah they're still still around and and killing it so um it's always been something that's intrigued me and even if you bring it down to like what creates the these cult followings around the beer like you know we're a little guy in the whole mix and and i'm not trying to focus on my beers but it, it's i've always had this curiosity around like how does a beer really become popular there's a ton of good beers right yeah there's a ton of good beers that don't get a lot of attention yeah they're hard to find and when you do they get kind of gobbled up yeah and then there's others that aren't that good yeah that and, and the marketing might be a, a big play in that right but our, yeah. so our melted snowman we pre-sold every single ounce of that beer and i'm just sitting here going oh you, I'm, it's I'm good gonna, i'm gonna leave heavier yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna buy that i'm gonna buy a six pack my neighbor helped me uh random side note and this by the way diverges into rabbit holes so yeah. if you see something yeah, yeah, yeah. and you just want to no. do it, <laughs> that's right up my alley. That's right <laughs> We're sitting over there, so I borrowed a tree. We had a dead tree in our front yard, living in a HOA place. Kept asking if we could cut it down. They're like, no, you can't. And I so I'm like, can I borrow your chainsaw? He's like, you? I've got every friend. I'm texting them pictures of this chainsaw. Every one of my buddies is like, who gave you the chainsaw? <laughs> yeah. You're not allowed to have power tools. 
you're not you're not allowed to do this. You're allowed to have computers and hack shit. Yeah. Yes, you can do no power tools. You're not even allowed to have a hammer. And so I start cutting up branches and I'm on this big ladder and I cut this branch the wrong way and it swings and hits the ladder. I almost dropped the chainsaw. I'm like, okay, I'm done. So that night we're having beers in the driveway as we do. So we'll um, sit back and sometimes we'll listen to these. And Hopefully the uh, chainsaw was away at that no, point. No, the right? chainsaw's out. And my, <laughs> oh, my neighbor from Montana is just sharp. He goes, I don't think it was sharp enough. And we're having some beers. Uh, I just talked with uh, Amy at Independence. Okay. And so, you know, she's, she's like, here, have some beers. And we're like, okay, and we're hanging out. We're just, everyone's trying them. So I've got this neighborhood. All the dads get together in the front area. And you can just see across the street my house and this dead, ugly tree. And Ryan, my neighbor from Montana, is just sharpening his chains. He goes, I just don't think he was sharp enough. I said, well, you know, I'll just hire some guy. It's going to be like 300 bucks. He goes, hold on a second. Does it start for you? I'm like, it started great. He walks across the street like it's a horror film. <laughs> and in three strikes, he cuts down this tree and it just falls across the street. Kaboom! Yeah. Shatters, breaks apart, old and dead, starts cutting it. My neighbor looks at me and goes, well, I guess we got to go to work now. I'm like, shit, we were just enjoying beer. <laughs> so he cuts it up. We move it to the front. It was like a bulk pickup weekend anyways. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm recut it the next morning into all the sizes where they can get it. We're sitting there, and then we sit back, and we have some more beers. And I bring all that up because he did that, and I've been waiting because he likes dark beers and different profile okay. beers that I personally don't drink. So yeah. to see that, I'm like, oh, no, I'll buy a six-pack of that for him for sure. And be like, hey, remember that tree you cut down yeah. when you were after, <laughs> after a couple of beers? Then when you just like it's like a psychopath sharpening the chainsaw. Yeah. That? yeah, here you go. Enjoy this little gem, buddy. I think we all need the moral of that story is we all need a neighbor from Montana. <laughs> yeah, and not me. I'm from Montana, but not me as that neighbor. Unless you know you want to do some caller ID spoofing and some other oh, things, there you go. Then, okay. then, then I'm your guy. But I thought you need Ryan, who will just come over or Trey, just come over and be like, "What do you need? What yeah. do you need fixed?" I'm like, "Yeah, this piece of wood rotted down here. Hold on, let me get my little thing under there. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Yeah. So, uh, you guys have, uh, of course, we're, you know, we're in a brewery. You got the kegs. Um, yep. There is. Uh, I remember back in the day, and I don't know if it's still true. There was a keg shortage. I don't know if there is now anymore. And then there. I, I was working with a group, and they were doing plastic kegs or, yeah. or recyclable throwaway kegs. So you're starting to see a lot more variety in how people are, are packaging their beer. Um, we are pretty, I guess, standard or old school, whatever you want to call it, in terms of we, we use two sizes of kegs, six goals and halves. Yep. Um, I don't necessarily think there's a... Uh, maybe I'm just naive or in my own bubble, but I haven't been aware of any shortage right now. You know, we okay. have tariffs that have raised prices a little bit, yep. but... Um, the company we, we purchased through doesn't, uh, tries not to pass on the, the cost, so um, we have a fleet. Again, we're a pretty small brewery. Yeah. In the scheme of things. Do, you, do you do a bulk where they try to round up three, four, five of the of, of brewers your size or maybe a hair bigger and then buy like that and then disperse as needed? For kegs, I have not seen a bulk buy yet, but our guild is still growing and um, we've there's been some attempts to, do, to get some bulk buys for, for like the fresh hop season this year. Yep. There was an attempt to get a, it didn't happen, but our guild has been growing in that sense to where we're, we're definitely working together more on that kind of stuff. But kegs, we're, our fleet is pretty much set for right now. Um, so I don't anticipate having to buy kegs until probably early, early next year, hopefully, because those are usually pretty damn Yeah, <laughs> kegs, uh, yeah, and, and any brewing... Uh, Bottling or canning lines. Although I did, oh, I, yeah. I saw it off Forbes. There was, was a startup three years ago. It's listed as one of their top three startups uh, to follow because they were they were doing canning lines out of the back of a semi. The semi would just pull up to these small breweries that couldn't afford a canning line. 
That's pretty much what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you guys do? Yeah. So we do it's mobile canning. So there's, yeah. I know of two companies. I think there's actually three or four companies now. Uh, we use American Canning. They're down in South Austin. For us, it works for a number of reasons. We self-distribute, so you know we're not cutting. So you're at that size off. where you we're at that size, and uh, so we can we can actually be profitable and still mobile can. So, uh, but outside of costs, it's a space thing for us. I can't. I can't fit an eight by eight canning line. Well, there's damn railroads in your way. I know. They do this stupid train. <laughs> get these trains. They're they're nice to look at when you're drinking, but then yeah. you need to ride. The, you put a bridge. Do something. Exactly. Help the guy out. Yeah, or, but we, we you know when they come in, I mean you'll see, you know we we can all of our skews in one day typically unless we have like a seed or something we might break it up. But when we're canning back there, there is no room to walk. So it's just our. Our biggest challenge being in a retail space is always going to be both cold storage, dry storage, and just physical space. Do you um, is, was your biggest get as a as a brewery your size HEB? Which for those that are listening in Slovakia and Turkey and Russia, <laughs> Brazil, and Mexico, uh, that's a chain store that we have here. Yep. Herberty Butts here, everything's better. Whatever you want to call it, it's a fun one. Uh, they're they're very nice. They've got great pricing. They're great. Yeah. They're HEBs great. have been. Um, and, and that's pretty much the only big store that we're in. Everything else. Total brands. wine, aren't you guys in Total Wine? We're in Total Wine, so yeah, Total Wine HBs, and I, I think we're in three Total Wines. So um, and Total Wine is a, house, yeah. they're they're a great partner. Um, so I really couldn't be happier with HBs and, and Total Wines. They treat us great. Anytime we come out with a seasonal skew or something, pick it right up. Um, they get really excited. But HBs are awesome to deal with because. Every buyer is pretty much independent. They can make their independent decisions, yep. um, which is rare for a big chain store, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was a big deal for us, getting into the HEBs and then getting into pretty much them at our own pace yeah. was important for us, right? We, we, I think we initially launched in uh, 10 or 12 HEBs, added three more, added three more. So... Rusty Woodland, Woodland and Curtis. Oh, they're Rusty, yeah. Go. They they are like everybody knows Rusty uh, in in the beer business because he is he is he's the, the beer king. man of H E B, right? He, he, Arguably the king beer guy of Texas. I mean, I don't pretty much pretty much right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he, you know, they're they're really good in that sense. Total Wine is the same way. Um, give us great space. They make the process really easy for a small a little guy like us. So nice. Yeah, very nice. Do you um. No, it's a, it's it's fun to see, and I, I'm always excited, and, and I find it fascinating. And I don't know why other stores don't pick up on this, or why they don't do it, but especially based on where you're at, what HEB, you can see different beers, different styles of things. Whereas, and no offense to the the big stores, they're not saying you want to be in there, but Walmart is Bud Miller, Coors, Dos Equis, Corona, yeah, and 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 Miller, you know, like whatever. But it's it's that, and and they don't have like this section of local. Even Total Wine has their sections for local. Mm -hmm. it, it seems like those two stores. I mean, Randall's. I go I, Randall's by my house. If I don't want to wait in an H E B line, like if I have to pick up two things, I feel bad saying this, but I go to Randall's because it's never busy. And I finally yes. asked the manager. I was just like, Hey, how much longer are you guys going to be here? He goes, Ah, oh, we kind of have to be here. We're in between two H E Bs, and we're this, that, and the other. So corporate is like a little flagship. I'm like flagship for me being able to get in and out in two minutes. Yeah. He goes, I guess. But their beer prices are two, three, four dollars more a six pack than HEB. We just had this conversation. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. It's funny you're, you're bringing that up. It's totally, I live in, in Crystal Falls right up here, and, and we just got that new Randall's put in. Okay. And I, everything you just explained, I do exactly the same because I'm not going to drive five miles to HEB, but would I rather go to HEB? Sure. Yeah. But Randall's, yeah. And the prices are just, 
it's really odd how they do the pricing. So um, it's kind of why, well, we haven't gotten into Randall for, for a few reasons, but um, they're definitely in our future sites. But right now it's, it's more of a, a quantity thing. We can only do yeah. so much here. Uh, yep. We're limited on space, but uh, HEBs were, were just the ones that, that made sense for us. So yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah, the pricing is really odd. At it's, it's odd. It jumps all over the place. It so. does. And then they'll get the card program sales. I'm like, oh, okay. Now you're just a dollar more than total wine. Yeah. And then I've got to think, all right, the total wine is pretty close to my house too. And I'm just doing dumb math in my head. Yeah. And then, <laughs> now I'm done. I'm yeah. out. I don't think I've ever signed up for any one of the, the stores that have those card things. I, I, I just asked, haven't gotten into the trouble of it. When they first started, I remember asking a reporter who was doing it. Uh, they interviewed me on it for some other technology I was working with. Yeah. And I said, are they going to report these numbers to my insurance company? Like, what do you mean? I'm like, if I'm an insurance company, I'm buying all of this data and then trying to match names hmm. and zip codes because I want to know if every Friday if Jason drops by and picks up a 12-pack and then how's he driving? <laughs> Man, you really went down that path. I, I, went, I went down the path. It was like conspiracies, right? Like, Sam Tripoli's rolling his eyes, but that's not a conspiracy. That's life. Conspiracy is a flatter, son. The man. The man that's looking at my habits. Uh, outside of, uh, you know, one of the things that made Smoking the Bandit great, one, you, you forget that they are, they're re he's rescuing a girl. Like, it, the, the backdrop of, of, of bootlegging is actually rescuing the girl, but the backdrop of bootlegging and rescuing the girl is the car. Yes. The iconic car. Oh, man. Car is awesome. That car is amazing, and also the CB. Like I remember, my dad's '78 <laughs> Suburban had a CB in it. It's crazy, yeah. No, I don't know anyone who has a CB anymore. No, no. I mean, outside of truck drivers, yeah, you don't really. You have to have a license now to have one. Like he just. Yeah, you're a, a licensed radio operator if you yeah. have a CB. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, do you, is there a um, outside of beer making beer? Uh, is, do you have a, a a car thing or a hunting or is there is there another escape for you or or a, a passion thing where you're like man if, if Whitestone went national I would go buy this or I would take my family here or go do this yeah yeah for three years we've been open <laughs> all my hobbies have died everything has died no I, I do I, I enjoy hunting I was raised on a 400 acre dairy farm okay um, so as a kid that's all me and my cousins did was yeah was go out and you know I had a 12 gauge at 8 years old and nice um so, yeah, that type, I'm very much an outdoorsy type person. Um, ironically, I spend probably 90% of my day indoors, but nowadays, Makes you appreciate the outdoors that much exactly, more. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, I've lived in a uh, few places, but California, so, you know, I love water lakes. Um, yep. We, I, I did make it out on the boat a couple times on Lake Travis this year, so that was, that was nice. Um, Fish? Love, uh, I do, but that was more for the leisure, you know, okay. just, we'd go out, have some beers right on the lake, and, and this sounds horrible, we do absolutely nothing. Are you kidding me? That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> there, is, there is something about lazy days, there's something about getting out and doing nothing. Somebody even being home. I mean, once again, like in our little neighborhood, we will sit down. The moms go inside, and like the kids are playing at a house, the moms are at another house, mm -hmm. the dads sit in between, we can kind of hear both, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> moms, of course, a little more quieter, the kids don't know how to hide, they're, you know, seven and below, so yeah. they're screaming and yelling at each other, and we just open up beers, and we sit back, and we do 
nothing. I don't know why, but that just sounds great to me. It's you know? so great. <laughs> you just, you're in these little pop-up. Everyone brings their chair over. My buddy Jay owns a restaurant um, off Far West. And he is, he's, he's this gentleman. He comes over. He's like, hey, Bubs, how you doing? <laughs> What's up, Jay? How are you? Sir? He's like, uh, doing pretty good, Bubs. You know, he's, he's always carrying like two. He's got, he's got a cold beer in each back pocket, and he's got one in his hand. Nice. And I'm just like, I go, how's the restaurant today? Yeah, it was all you can eat catfish. Well, cheapskate Charlie showed up, our neighbor. He tried to eat ten pieces of catfish. He put me in the poorhouse, Bubs. And, just, <laughs> and, and it's just nothing. It. and just bullshit conversation. Yeah, it's fantastic. It is shut off the brain. You don't gotta overthink yeah. anything. Yeah. I never get to shut off the brain, so I go home. You know, I'll do it on a random weeknight, and I feel bad because that should be my my wife's time, my kids' time, and I'm like, hey, brain's going down right now, so just don't make me think about anything. I try to be the last to go to bed and the first to get up, so I have two hours on each end mm-hmm. where it's just my shutdown time. Yeah. And that's usually when I, I mean, because I'll take time in the day, I'm working and I'm on a conference call and I'm editing this or doing something else. Sure. But then there's nights where it's like, all right, I've seen damn near every movie out there. Yep. And all I do is just watch them. It's like, what horrible, just mind-numbing show can I watch that's just where I can turn my brain off. Housewives. Housewives. <laughs> Please tell me you don't. No, no, no. It is, uh, it's a little more engaging. It's like, uh, whatever the new show is that I can't get into, but I'll watch every episode of knowing it's going to get canceled. <laughs> so I don't have to get engaged with a character or follow anything. Or I rewatch some classics that I, that I just think are, are great. But I just turn the mind off. The Basset Hound, they bring it out, you know, they, mm-hmm. there's a Basset Hound in this film as well just jumps in and sits in my lap and just crack open a beer and it's just here we go we got two hours bud and yeah. then i gotta go to bed maybe up at five yeah. everyone else gets up at seven there we go sometimes the kid gets up at six but still it's that you gotta have that you yeah. have to shut it off yeah i finally started to you know i also I try to work out three four days a week so that's my my early morning if i don't do yep. it in the morning it doesn't get done and i'm gonna turn 40 next year even despite the silver uh, You're young. I know. I got I, you by five years. Man, <laughs> I, I, I don't wear. I'm. I tell people I'm turning forty. Kind of give you that look, like, huh? <laughs> so yeah, it's. I'm a big sports guy too, so you know, I pretty much I can usually find stuff to fill my time, but it's yep. usually brainless activities. Football's awesome. Like, yes, life just comes back when football season comes back in. So uh, Sundays for me, pretty much open the brewery, church. Football. That's, there you go. What? Uh, what? Um, who's your team? So I've actually. Oh man, my friends are giving me so much shit for this. So I grew. <laughs> up, I grew up a Raider fan. Uh, <laughs> rough year. One of, one of the rough Chucky, three decades. Ch- Chucky is. <laughs> hey, I'm a Niner fan, so I'm. I'm. I mean, it hasn't been three decades, but I'm paddling uh, on the boat with you. It's yeah. been rough. I mean, Chucky gets a little past just because he he had our last successful team, but. Uh, yeah, they've been a frustrating franchise to watch. I mean, growing up in the '80s and '90s, you know, they had a 20-year drought of the the playoffs. So, and then Al Davis started going insane and making these crazy contracts. So, yeah, they've been <laughs> frustrating. But I've I've family that was formerly a head coach in the NFL. So we've been Panther fans, Bronco fans, Chicago fans. Nice. I, did my buddy play for the Panthers? I want to say he did. I think he played for the Panthers. What was his name? Chris Howard, running back. Yeah. 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 I would call Chris Howard. Yeah, he uh, he he was the last time uh, Michigan won a national championship. He was their running back. Wow. Okay. I remember him telling me, which is crazy. He goes at Michigan, which is an elite program. Yeah. He goes, I could come around the corner on those lines. Right? I could hit the corner, 
and run straight ahead. And that's a great program. He goes, then I got to the NFL, and I never saw a corner. Whole, whole different ballgame. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the best of the best meets the best of the best that gets cut yeah. to make the best of the best of the best. Yeah. And we, I would sit there. I'm just fascinated. I always talk. I always talk. I mean, Chris comes out here and does. So he's a producer now, and he does some shows out here sometimes, and okay. comes out and you stay at my house just so I can pick your brain because it's just it's fascinating to me. And he was in. I mean, he was a journeyman. He played with the Raiders as well. Yeah. He was a journeyman. Uh, I want to say he's got the. Um, he stayed long enough to get a check from the NFL. That's pretty impressive as a running back. I mean, average, average yeah. is what two two point three years, something like that. Something crazy like yeah. that. And you know, he's a he's a big man, and but it's just now he's doing I mean jujitsu or something like that. Sure. Just you know, he's probably that type of guy that just yeah. needs to be doing something just hardcore. Has yeah. to be doing something crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was you know, I remember when uh, Madden came out one year and he was put as the slowest running back and he knew he was faster than some guys <laughs> and as the story goes and he's probably like why are you saying this Jason? Yeah. but as the story goes he found Madden's number and called him and chewed him out I like this guy yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's funny because I mean what you're saying so you know I've had the I've been fortunate enough to be able to talk to you know this head coach and other head coaches we used to go to a, a celebrity golf tournament and Oh yeah, the hospitality tent. You could just get to talk to the, the cool people that are like Hall of Famers and stuff like that. Yep. So, in one of the conversations, we're we're watching college football together and just flipping through the channels because usually a Saturday is the head coaches one kind of day off. They do early walkthroughs and then they have the rest of the day to to do whatever. Um, and we usually go in the theater room and just watch whatever's on. We're we're flipping through. And I go, hey, John, how much uh, college football do you really watch? Not much. Not much. The head coach in the NFL saying, I don't really watch that much because 1% of the athletes make it to the NFL. And of course, you know, they do obviously recruiting and all of that. Yeah, so of course. I'm sure, you know, he watches a shit ton based on the average show. But I, that just kind of struck me like, you're right. 1% of these athletes will actually go to the next level. That's how elite it is, you know? And then of that 1%, 10% are going to make it, yeah. right? I mean, that, and that's exactly. also... Yeah, it's not even, it's a fraction of 1%, yeah. really, yeah. It's a crazy thing. It's, it blows my mind uh, when, uh, it was funny, uh, Brendan Schaub, who's a, uh, got a podcast, a stand-up comic, commentates on fighting. He was... He was on Ultimate Fighter, right? Yeah, well, Ultimate yeah. Fighter. Yep. He actually succeeded fairly well in the UFC yeah. for a guy who left early, retired early because he didn't want to get head trauma. Yeah. And he played. He was. He played at uh, Colorado. Okay. He goes and I got a cappuccino with the Bills. So I, I had a moment with a professional team. And he was. It, it, I bring that up because it just it shows how much better those athletes are at that level yeah. than <clears throat> any other athletes. Yeah. We did. Uh, I did one of those goofy celebrity golf tournaments years ago and. I bring my buddy out. Uh, we're uh, we're sitting down. He's from Chicago, and this is before the Cubbies won anything. So you and know you know what a Raider fan feels like. I know what a Raider fan more. Yeah, Regan Regan really knows what a Raider fan feels like. <laughs> Regan and I are hanging out. We're sitting down. We're having a good time. And uh, across from us is uh, Tony Larusa, okay. and he's got his rings on. And we're giving him grief and. He slides one ring off and he slides it close to Regan. He goes, that's as close as you're ever going to get to a World Series oh, ring. Oh, man. Picks it up, slides it back on. Well, over walks this monster of a human being. Monster. I'm like, oh, what, is this guy an actor? 
And as soon as I say that and look up at him, I get slapped across the face by Tony. He goes, that's John Rocker. You show some respect. Holy crap. <laughs> Rocker, still a physical specimen. Oh, yeah, still, he's huge. Still yeah. racist as ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at the time. He could have changed by now, folks. But at the time. And we start drinking tequila and having fun. And Tony's just telling stories. And Regan's just grinding his teeth because he's just... He, every story's about how he beat the cops. Like, he's got... Uh, he's <laughs> under Regan's skin. Oh, boy. And the next day we come out and I have, like, I say, hey, it's so good to see you. And he goes, you call me Tony. So now I think, oh, we're all friends. So he and his group are behind us and Rocker launches a ball. Great golfer. Launches a ball. Comes up behind us. I walk up to him. I'm like, hey, you do that again. I'm going to Nancy Kerrigan. Keep that ball back. <laughs> he grabs me by the top of the head and he's like, it's too effing early for this. I've got a hangover because of you. <laughs> Get back in your cart. And I was like, a good idea. Yeah, good yeah. Idea. I'll listen to you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm uh, out. I'll see you guys John later. Rocker, yeah. I remember him. He, he kept us on our toes, for sure. Oh, that guy. I mean, I'm, it's funny because all of those, you know, it, any athlete that is that memorable from that long ago, mm-hmm. A, has a, has a personality, right, that, that yep. they've just done. And B, uh, has a, uh, I mean, it, it is surmount to this movie where, the chaos is built and somewhat controlled, but there's there's a tire turn, there's there's a window of opportunity that when missed and Rocker missed his right or was sure. misquoted or was quoted for saying the wrong thing. However, yeah. what, however he spins it, and however and, the and he didn't even live it. in the uh, Twitter days, right? No. That, was, that was back in the <laughs> whole different ball game now. Whole different ball game, and you, and you think about that, you go, man, you're you're always there, there's one step away. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and I'm sure you feel that pressure as well as a small business owner. Oh yeah, always. Yeah, this is definitely not a, and it's the not industry specific. Industry. Yeah, the, the industry is tough. I mean, I think a lot of home brewers make this transition. You know, brewers pop up all the time and of all different sizes and all that. But it's you better be prepared to go through a couple years of pain, if not longer. And you know, in my head, I've failed thirty times. Right? I mean, this brewery has failed thirty times. Right? And if you can't go through that. It's not a good industry to go in. I mean, you got to be able to spend money that you don't have. And yeah. Grow when you don't feel like growing and all of that. So it's different. There was the kid who, uh, from the uh, Entourage, he tried to start a brewery. Was it Turtle? No, it was the, the handsome one, the lead character. Oh, okay, okay. And it was called that. Church Key. And so the six-pack came with the Church Key. Yeah. It was all sealed on the top. You had to you know, yep. crack it open. I remember those. So illegal to sell here in Texas because you can't give something away. Yep. But, but also... He did his thing through ball, and they messed up his cans, and they rusted on the inside. So he had one failure. Okay. Shut it all down. Yeah, that's uh, man, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, everybody I think has also put put out a maybe a product they're not proud of, or a product that turned out a different way. I wouldn't say a bad beer or anything like that, but just a so a different that, taste profile where you're like you were going left and it kind of went right yeah i mean we do it all the time and you know the way that we do recipe formulation is we we talk about it first mm-hmm. back into a style and say okay we want to do whatever a hazy ipa okay what do we want it to taste like then we'll start to talk about our hops and it just happens to where you know some of it is guesswork right you can look at a profile of a hop and it'll say you know tangerine well i don't get tangerine on it right so it's all, but but we always. It's pick. funny you say guesswork because I see the pictures and the guys like rubbing their hands like that's yeah. the one. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. You I, just I got make it fun up of the first it. smell. I make fun of the industry quite a bit, and granted, I'm in the industry, but it's 
I've just never seen something desirable that is earthy and tiny, right? So when, when you get these descriptions, <laughs> it's like, when's the last time you felt like eating earth, right? Yeah. I don't want that in my beer. So some of these descriptors are just, maybe they resonate for some people, they don't for me. Yeah. So I, I have a different, and everybody's palate is a little bit different, but, um, you know, we, we really talk about it from a, a human perspective of like, I want the beer to taste like this. Yep. And it's a realistic taste profile. And then, but back to the point is, you know, sometimes I'll point at the one in the fridge right now, our keyboard, yeah. keyboard gangsta. I saw that. that. Was, I was going to ask you about that. That yeah, was super fun. That was probably the funnest beer that just because I can't stand trolls. So that's kind of my campaign <laughs> against trolls. So we got a troll on the label and everything. So we had, we had nice. a lot of fun with that one. Um, but that was our first kind of hazy IPA that we were trying a different hop profile with, and uh, it got a little bit of bitterness, so we just kind of adjusted on the fly and said, this is more of like a West Coast hazy IPA, which now I love it, right? So, yeah. Because uh, I can drink a couple hazy IPAs, and there's there's no bitterness to kind of cleanse that palate, and I'm done. I don't want any more. That beer I can... I won't even admit to how many I can drink in a row. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we you kind of make the best out of it, right? Yeah. So you don't get what you want, but it's not a bad beer. It's a great beer. It's just not how we intended. I didn't expect that flavor profile to turn out that way. Uh, we actually just brewed another batch of it, and we switched up the hot profile, and we're releasing it again. It's one of the most popular beers we've sold to date, so it was wow. a good accident. So, uh, But that happens all the time, so... It's kind of what keeps me intrigued and interested. That kind of stuff is, you know, people always ask me, oh, you're doing what you love. And I'm sitting here going, man, live a day in the life with me, you know. Yeah. But we yeah. get How much do you love like, change yeah. on the fly? Yeah. How, how Cirque du Soleil are you yeah. in life? Yeah, so that's the kind of stuff I, it, it, I do like doing that. It's almost like an escape. Where is, in my mind this just popped up, but where is the line of, okay, we can change and adjust to this? Versus recklessness of we're just going to throw some shit together and it's going to taste good. Yeah. Because, I mean, at some, you know, I don't, where, where do you stop it? Like, will you taste and you're like, okay, you know what, we're going to change this direction and that's good and we think people are going to like it versus has there been a time when you've tried it and just been like, no, dump it? Uh, fortunately, no, there has not okay. been that. We, we've done, uh, we dumped our first barrel-aged uh, beer, which can be guesswork, right? So yeah. barrels can, can just turn sometimes. We did uh, a Saison and a two Chardonnay barrels and we tasted it. It was like nail polish and there was just an acetate that came out and go, no, no, not worth, not worth releasing this. Uh, so yeah, there's a thin line and some breweries, unfortunately, I think do take those shortcuts of like, Hey, we'll just blend this or, or do this and it'll be a subpar beer. Let's put it out. We can't dump it. So it's more of a financial reason to do that. I think okay. typically, but um, there are, I think, except it, ways that you can do things that I we just ask ourselves is the product good and will people like it yeah like if we don't like it yeah it's getting dumped so okay I mean nice. I can't say that every beer we put out has been you know the best beer in the world I don't think anybody can say that but you're constantly trying to improve I think as long as you're putting out a quality product you're not bringing down the industry uh-huh that's kind of those are always the discussions we have in here is every beer we put out has to be quality or above it can't be it can't be lower than than that quality because I, I think the craft beer will continue to grow as long as people have that mindset once we start to get the breweries that open and say i don't care i just want to put it out and then yeah. make their decisions based on financial stuff 
that's that's when we're in a little bit of danger. Yeah, that's or the breweries that you know when people find out, and I won't name the brewery, you might know who it is that take a major label brewer, beer and just repackage it as something else. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're on the same page. Yeah. And they have marketing behind it, and that's it. Like, it's just a marketing campaign. Yeah. There's nothing else behind it. It's not their own. There's no vested passion in what's inside. The only vested passion is what cute little thing can we do on the outside of the can so that people will buy it. Yeah. And that it, it's fascinating to me only because it's that to me is the wrong motivation. Like, go open an ad agency. Yeah. Go open an ad agency. Yeah. But, and I'm glad you're selling a lot of beer, but at the same time, Get out. Yeah, and I, and I hate to say it that way because I'm not in the beer business anymore, but I have I love beer. I remember the first time I had a beer. I've always loved the taste of beer. Always. Even beers that some people are like, oh, those are bad, but there are times when I was at the ball, I was at the hockey game up here. I took my daughter to the hockey game. She'd never been. Yeah. And at games, man, I just wanted an ice cold Budweiser. There's yeah. something about in there, a oh, hot yeah. dog and a Budweiser. Yeah. And you'll be like, oh, I can't, dude, how can you say you love IPAs and drink Budweiser? <laughs> because there's a thing. It's like going to a Dodger game and getting a Dodger Time and dog. place, man. Time, Time and place. place. Yeah. Time and place. And in those times and places, I look at that stuff and I go, you, you know, come on, man. You're not creating a time and place. You're not creating a memory. You're creating packaging. Yeah. I've done a beer dinner before. It was obviously our beers that we're pairing with food. And I said, let's do a course right in the middle and let's serve a fucking Lone Star. Let's just do it. That's Palette awesome. Cleanser. Yeah. So... I'm not too good to, to say there's a time and a place for a freaking Lone Star. Right? Yeah. And I've, I'm, I'll crush that. And just like you, like I'm a sports guy and I'm not paying, you know, at these ball games, they'll try to mark up, you know, a, a Carbach or something like that to $20 for a, a 20 ounce. <laughs> I'm going, I'll buy the $11 bud, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not, not too good for any of that stuff. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. Time and a place for that, that stuff. But, um, I think, unfortunately, there is always going to be those types of guys that, that in this industry, that will label them, themselves craft or try to ride that wave of craft. Yep. But they're really not. The decisions they make are not. Uh, yeah. The beers they put out are not. But then also just the fun stuff. I mean, it's, you know, but then you've got other people. And I, I look back at the, the history that Austin has here with some of their breweries. Mm-hmm. Amy at Independence, her and her husband. Yep. They just have a, a good season history. The kids at Live Oak. That, yep have a good season history um you know everyone at shiner uh and and they just you know you can like or dislike those beers it's, it's inconsequential to me as much as it is that they blazed a path and they've stayed forward you know yeah. and, they, and they like i mean when i when amy and i talked one of the big things i'd like to get your take on this and she's like we don't we're not racing to the bottom on pricing we're not trying to we're not doing stone we're trying to sell you know 30 dollars six packs yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we're we're not depreciating our beer or the value of it because someone else is sure are where do you guys sit in that world and i know we're getting a little beer nerdy here and, and pricing and stuff but we're in and for those of you that live in other areas that don't have aren't surrounded by 20 microbreweries some that only serve you know little areas and others that are on your shelves we're in one of those pockets mm-hmm. and it, it's i mean price sensitive i talked to the kids yeah. at another brewery and they moved down to San Marcos. I'm like, oh, our beer's not moving as well. It's too expensive down there. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and that's actually a national debate right now. You know, Sam Calgione at Dogfish Head. I know he's very yeah. passionate about. You know, our, our beer, beer is going to be more expensive, and I don't want to take it down. You know, twelve dollars a 
a six pack, you know, I don't want to take it down to nine or 10. Um, I would say our, our products, you know, and again, we self distribute and we're on a much smaller scale, but I look at my margins no different than everybody else does. Yeah. I, mean, I'm, I may not try to make the gap up as quick, yeah. but I'm also not depreciating my products. So um, we've sat down and we've, we've strategically raised our prices very, very small over the last year, but we definitely went to market with more of the aggressive pricing, uh-huh. but not to where, but it's in line with all the, the rest of the craft. So okay. for instance, we're, we're just under uh, $9 for a, a six pack um, of our core brands. Yeah. Um, and then usually when we have a seasonal skew, it, it goes up to Melted Snowman is, is right there, just under 11. So I'd say we're probably kind of middle of the pack in terms of the pricing. And, and still, and I know that people, there's overhead, there's just, a, I, I get it, yeah. but still, compared to going and buying a beer at, at a restaurant or a bar, mm-hmm. $10, $11, $12 for a six pack, relatively fair price. Yeah, yeah you're right, it's, it's not hands at a 24 pack for $11.99. You also get gout drinking that much, allegedly, <laughs> but I would know. But my foot hurt after I did it. Okay, my foot hurt for a month. They told me it was gout. My, my neighbors made fun of me like, why did you do this? I was like, I, there was a thing in my brain that was like, man, Hams was good at one point. <laughs> yeah. Get, because I remembered the, the commercial. Once again, we talked about like I buy the, the book for the cover. Yeah. I would still remember, from the land of sky blue waters. You have a great memory. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. I drink too much and have a, have a memory of just crap. It's just low and brow. I used to buy the shit out of hams. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hams so was just, I mean, hams and Oli. I'd use those 10-ounce Oli's. Oh, yeah. The bitter end in Portland, Oregon. I'd sit down on the side, and this kid, Scott Briggs, the bartender, would walk over and just hand me an Oli. I'm like, thanks, man. And then we started drinking... PBR, but it was a little too sweet. Yeah. So we'd put it on the rocks with a lemon in it and call it a trailer park iced tea. Nice. And it. then we made up a backstory. <laughs> and we made up this backstory to such a point that it grew legs. And I'll finish the story this way. So the backstory is my grandmother, who was little boozy boozy ham from my mom's <laughs> second marriage. And her like skull was growing or something. Was pushing an eye out. She was mean as all hell. Oh, wow. Plus, she lived in headaches, and she was a drunk. So, just the perfect combination of not the sweet grandmother that gave you that weird strawberry candy uh-huh. that gets stuck in your teeth. She's the one that would just spit on you and be like, "Get out of my way!" And you're like, "Jesus, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't choose to come here. Okay, my dad dragged me, crying out loud." And she would always say, and I made this part up: "Go get me an iced tea." And that was a beer, ice, okay. and lemon, watered down, trailer park iced tea. She'd nice. always get drunk. The family would go, how'd she get drunk? She's not supposed to drink. I'm like, I don't know. I just give her iced teas. <laughs> so I tell – so I'm, I'm living up in Portland, and we're doing this trailer park iced tea as a palate cleanser for all these crazy rich beers that are up there. Sure. I moved back down to Newport Beach, and uh, a guy who had put Black Star on tap in his bar, the bar was called Mutt Lynch's. It's a dream – if you have a successful beer, it's your dream bar. His slowest volume tap handle, slowest. Like if you drop below this, he kicks you off. Yeah. Is twenty five kegs a month. That's insane. I mean, <laughs> a great has, account for us is a half barrel a week, and that's that's fast. So he has plaques on the wall from Bud Miller and Coors that are like, "You've sold more beer in Southern California wow. on draft." He also only that's sells crazy. forty ounce scooters. Really? So I asked him, Mike, come here, Mike. He's a Jason, so glad to have you back. And I have a little special place they seat me in, get my pizza and my beer. And I go, can you get PBR on tap here? He's like, no. It's like, come on, man. And this is 
years ago. This PBR had not done its cult classic climb. It was right. just starting to. I go, come on, man. He goes, I'm not selling that shit in here. Awful beer. Piss water. I go, you got Budweiser? He goes, duh, dare you. Look at the plaques. Look at the plaques. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I go, come on. He goes, I'll tell you what. I'm going to order one keg. And when no one drinks it, I'm going to make you sit at the end of this bar and drink it. You're going to start thing. at 6 in the morning when we open, and you're going to stay here till it's gone. Can't I don't say care. you drank all day if you don't. Don't start, start in the morning. Six. And I was like, I'm in. I go, but I want you to try something. Because what? I go, I want, you to, I want you to do a special Trailer Park Ice Teas. I'm going to be selling less beer. Margins up. He's like, this is the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> do me one more. And let's do a Papsimosa, PBR and OJ. Oh, He's like, you're a disgusting human being. <laughs> He's doing almost 30 kegs a month of PBR. That's insane. And he's doing, and on the menu is JJ's specials, the Paps Mosa nice, and the nice. Trailer Park Ice Tea. He even gave you credit. <laughs> you gave awesome. me credit, <laughs> and it's still on the menu. And I have friends who go down they're like, well, that's bullshit. And they come in like, hey, Mike, like, how do you know me? He goes, oh, we know Jason. He goes, I'll get you one of his specials. <laughs> and he just breathes. <laughs> like, awesome. I didn't even want this. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, there you go. Dude, this the software company that I worked for uh, was based in Santa Barbara, so we lived in Santa Barbara for eight years. Oh, and, that's a great uh, spot. Yeah, State Street, nice little downtown, and. Uh, there was a bar there on every Thursday. They had a quarter, 25 cent PBRs. Granted, they were in a little plastic cup. They Still. were like 10 ounces, but yeah. we used to sit there and just get hammered on paps. It oh, was great. We used to, in Montana, there was a bar. used to do uh, progressive beer nights, and sometimes Blackstar would sponsor it. So it started at five for happy hour, and every 10 minutes it went up a dime, and it started at a dime. Wow. That's dangerous. <laughs> That's super dangerous. That one, and Montana gets away with a lot that you can't do here in Texas. Sure. We did uh, Bladder Busters. Where beers were a dollar until someone went and used the restroom. <laughs> and inevitably, That's like, awesome. you know, a couple walks in and some girl's like, honey, give me a Cosmo. I'm going to go pee real quick. And everyone's like, no! <laughs> just freaking out, going crazy. And like, she's like, what? You guys are rude. <laughs> and then there's just That's people hilarious. just pissing in the parking lot, right? Because yeah. there's one toilet in there. And they're like, forget this. I'll be outside for like two minutes. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Everyone drunk and just leaving. It was, uh, yeah. But there was, those are the crazy things where we do um, cup night where you buy a cup for $10 and you get, okay. and then there's a person sitting there with the jockey box and a stand of kegs behind them. And you got one kid climbing up and down the kegs and just lighting up new kegs and you paid your $10. You just keep filling it up. Really? At a bar. Wow. And it was yeah. a great way to sample the beer, theoretically. It's just that everyone got hammered. <laughs> and so no one really... I mean, I remember Stew Reserve, it wasn't selling that well, because that was the first yeah. high-octane beer. Yeah. And we're in what South... What was ABV on that? It was 8%. It was yeah, high gra- it was, And they never called it a malt liquor. They called it a high-gravity lager. Very classy. <laughs> very, very classy. And uh, no one was buying it. And so I had this green Ford station wagon Taurus. This is oh, fantastic. Wow. Yeah. And I would load it up with coolers in the back. And I would go to South Central at midnight. Dangerous part of town yeah. in LA. And I'd open up. And, and at this time, I'm 300 pounds. I'm bald. I've got a red goatee. Okay. And uh, I've got this Steel Reserve bomber jacket on. And, I mean, I look like a cop. Who's <laughs> out of place. Like, hey, kids, want some candy? And they're like, are you going to arrest me, copper? And I would pull over and I'd, I'd go three blocks away from an account that I wanted to get, that I knew because I could get the numbers from our distributor. They were okay. blowing out the doors with St. Ides and Older Ones. They okay. couldn't keep it on the shelves. Guy walked by, hey man, want to try a beer? Sure. I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. Try this beer. If you bring me back a can from that store down there, I'll give you this cooler and all the beer that's in it. We'll throw a party tonight. All right. <laughs> the guy would walk down there, hey man, can I get one more of these? It's like, saw, you know, no one wants to say they don't carry it. Hey, sorry, sorry, we're out. 
So, man, they're out. I'm like, here, take three or four. Have a good night, man. Nice. Well, I would do this, and I would empty out three or four coolers a night of beer. And then I'd get the store to call me. That's hey, brilliant. can we get some of that? Sorry, I were sold out. And then I'd go do it the next night. And they'd call it, hey, can we get some of this? Sorry, man, I'm sold out. And they call the next night. I'm like, how much do you guys want? It'd be like half a truck. And they'd be like, no, sure, here you go. <laughs> That's a great tactic. I love it. <laughs> Failed up to the rim. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and then I'd go to the next store. And then they'd be sitting on that stuff. Or they'd be calling me up. Hey, it's just a, it was moving. And now it's not moving that yeah. well anymore. <laughs> go back in the neighborhood for a bit. But all my work was, you know, midnight in South Central until, as I tell people, I go, you can watch all the shows you want. When your car gets shot at, you wet your pants. It's... Listen, yeah. Just wear black pants. Yeah. If you're going to work at midnight in South Central. Yeah. I finally pissed off the wrong person, went around, took the wrong lap, whatever it was. <laughs> Terrible. Because it Damn. went through the whole car. It went from the back, through the back seat, through my passenger seat, That's the front crazy. somewhere. Yeah. It's none of this bullshit that, where you sit behind the door and you're like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. No, 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 no. And, that, and those wagons didn't move. <laughs> like a four cylinder in it. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to die. I'm going to yeah. die. I'm going to die. <laughs> Floored. It is floored. It's floored. <laughs> By myself. Who wants a poster of Rhino something? Anyone? Please don't shoot me. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That neighborhood is, yeah. It's different. Yeah, and you're not exactly too short handing out CDs in the back of his car. No. No, I'm it. not. And we, you know, USC's, uh, we, I do that through USC as well. I'd hang out on, right off of Frat Row, these kids that just, they'd be like, oh, we're trying to go to a frat party. We're going to have a party here. Listen, you get 100 people to show up, I'll provide all the beer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Five phone calls. What? Five phone calls. hundred people show up. I got all the beer. And I had this, at one time I had a truck and I would just fill the back with ice and beers. Like, there it is. It's right there. And then they would open up their fence or sometimes tear down part of their fence and I'd back the truck in. And I mean, this is, you know, cell phones are just kind of around, but this is landlines. Yeah. And they're like, you know, they, one, two, three, four, five. There's your phone calls. <laughs> You got till eight. I'm gonna leave. I got kids in Newport Beach that'll just drink their faces off for this. I'm like, okay, and that backyard would fill up, and I just open the trunk bed, and the ice would start to <laughs> slide down. And people are just grabbing them. I'm like, stay here and drink them. I'm like, okay. And you were like the ghetto ice cream man. That's awesome. Oh, it was the tactics back then. Whatever I could do to move volume. Yeah. Now, mind you, not that I didn't understand the economics, so I was probably selling as much as I was giving away. So we were, we were at, at the time when I was in charge, we were breaking even in Los Angeles, yeah. and we should have yeah. been, you know, yeah. shooting the moon. Yeah, I mean, some of those tactics are still like my my family will go out and they know Whitestone is wrong in a certain place. They go, "Hey, Whitestone," they'll, they'll just make the mention, and you do it enough, and places are like, huh, "Heard about that beer?" And they'll give yeah. us a call. So I always, I mean, I get I go up to see I see my buddy at his restaurant, Jay, and he's like, "Got some samples, bubs." I'm like, oh, which ones? Tried it, horrible. Tried it, horrible. Never seen that one. Let me try it. Hmm. And then he was, um, you know, like, okay, well, here, try this one. I'm like, okay. Or we sometimes we record at Dirty Bills down in uh, West Six, downtown Austin, okay. little narrow dive bar. And we're hanging out, and uh, my buddy calls me. He goes, hey, uh, we got that. I want to thank you for telling them to bring that beer. And I'm like, why? He goes, those are their sales are so hot. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, Alan, how's the beer? He goes, I don't know. I don't drink that. The sales rep's really good. Yeah. She has to come in now once a week, and I got to talk to her and flirt with her. I'm like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Dude, some that things also never change. Yeah. Yes. Some that things. will never change. Yes. Yeah, age old tactic. Or there's a uh, celebrity uh, selling a certain type of booze down here in Austin, and I, they wanted to sponsor the podcast. I said, well, listen, you got to do something with charity. If you don't do something with charity, I can't do it with you. I'm like, well, just tell the bar owner that you're working with, uh, where you're recording your podcast, that 
he'll come in and have a drink there. Jeez. And then I don't know if you've seen the pictures on the wall, but one years ago when they were popular, I brought the bravery in and we sat down with John Popper and saying Eddie Rabbit hits. Dave Grohl comes in there to drink when he's in town. <laughs> she doesn't care about celebrity. Yeah. At all. She cares about volume and what moves. And if it doesn't move, she just kicks it out. Yeah. And doesn't care. And I'm glad there's still people like that. Yeah. <laughs> because if you see my sales crew walk through here, it's like we're like the geriatric brewery. I make fun of them all the time. But we have I mean my we have a three man sales team. Uh, Kevin's been in the industry 15, 20 years. Uh, Rhett, my South Austin guy. Yeah. Same. They they worked at Brown Distributing for a while, and then Michael was a mechanic. But yeah, I don't have a sales rep that's a female or b under the age of forty five. So <laughs> see that, but you know, I mean, but there's there's also something about that. There's some there, there. I think there's a difference, and it depends on where you're selling. I, I almost I do believe like maybe in down west six or east six, you might need a cute sales rep to get the attention of someone sure. first. However, there's also that thing that I loved when I was in the industry, which is being able to sit down and have a beer with someone. Mm-hmm. That bar, they'd go, oh, I'm like, I'll have a beer with you. What? No, no, I'll sit down and have a beer with you. I don't care. They're like, huh? Well, these other reps don't. Well, I don't care about the other reps. Yeah. I, don't. I mean, that's, that's what we do with self-distribution. Yeah. That's, that's the advantage. A lot of people ask me, why do you, why'd you choose to self-distribute? Well, I'm close to my product. I know my, we do quality control ourselves. I just couldn't imagine handing it off to somebody else, but the At other, some point, Texas is going to make you, though, right? Is, it, is that the rule? You'd think so. That legislation that I was referring to uh, before in January, so indirectly should affect us um, in terms of how much we can self-distribute. So right now, okay. we're, we're capped at 1,000 barrels. Yep. We're going to finish this year at like 995, so we're right there. <laughs> I mean, we're, we weren't actually in a can uh, melted snowman because, and, and I guess I could say fortunately we had a slow month. It's weird to say, but uh, it slowed it down to where we could can it. But I'm literally, you know, in July, I'm sitting here going, hey, you guys, you guys are going to have the whole month of December off, which sucks. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like, plan for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Put yeah. that tree up early. That'll yeah. make the wife happy. So hopefully they make it easier than rather than harder. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas is a weird beer state. It is super the weird. hardest state to get a beer into. It's also the hardest state to get a beer out of. Yeah. I mean, Very I, true. I was going to ask you if, if, if there's ever a passion of this of this growing or if it does grow to a point, does your, let's just assume, next brewery, mm-hmm. is it out of Texas just because? No, I don't think it's that bad. I mean, I, I love Texas. I love no, I mean, a I, ton yeah. of things about it. Beer laws have are getting better, right? I mean, you really look at it pre-2013, it was horrible, right? Yeah. And that's why we're underserved, uh, you know, per capita, but it's... Uh, it is getting better. I, I have faith it will get better. Now we have a craft pack with um, with the Brewers Guild, so we my, actually have some lobbying efforts going forward. Yeah, my buddy's uh, he's a lobbyist, attorney lobbyist yeah. uh, that works with uh, the craft brewers and yep. represents them and goes to the hill and yeah. So I mean, our our dollars are still you know fractions of pennies compared to the the dollars that are thrown from wholesalers and things like that. But um, so there's always going to be that that fight that's going on and. Unfortunately, there's probably always going to be just nonsensical laws that you go, huh, yeah. wonder why that's in effect. Yeah, like the distributors pretty much owning you as soon as you... Yeah, I mean, that's and that's why I have no aspiration. Like, I want to be close to my product. I want to... And I'll fight through the challenges. I'll just deal with it. But I just can't be in... I, I can't imagine being a, you know, number 15 brand on a truck. And it's funny because my my buddy who I grew up with, we both ended up starting breweries 
Is he a number 15 brand on a truck? Yes. They, <laughs> and they actually tell you that. Like, it's it's crazy to me. I don't think they're that blatant here in Texas, but you can kind of, yeah. you get the gist of where you're at. Absolutely. But over there, they go, you know, he'll be, he has, he has to deal with, you know, five or six distributors in different counties. And so he's constantly just babysitting, right? And calling them and hey, I want to into this Kroger's or whatever it is. And the go, oh, no, that's, that's our, uh, that's our top 10 brand. You're number yeah. 12. It's like, huh? Yeah. They literally put a number on you going, I don't want that. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. It's uh, what um, what they uh, is the the distributors' minds, and I get it. They're in sales, right? And they sure. just want to move whatever they have to move. Yeah. And then then there's the game, right? Well, can I get an end cap? Well, while I'm post off, I can probably get an end cap in this store. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, it's well, how do I break into this skew? And like you said, well, you're not a top ten brand, so we're not going to pitch you to Seven Eleven yet. Yeah. Well. To get a top 10 brand, you'd be in 7-Eleven. Yeah. You see where I'm at here? Nope. It's like, okay, thanks, guys. Yeah. And, it's, and, and, and once again, I don't I don't knock them because they're in sales. And they're trying to move the things that, oh, I get that it. their yeah. distributors are trying. I think it's just a broken system in some capacity. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think why the three-tier system initially was developed is a little bit antiquated now. Like, I, I don't feel like we're endangering the consumer by doing part of that three tier, right? So yeah. granted, can can there be irresponsible self distributing breweries? Absolutely. Yeah. But I think it's but there's there not be many irresponsible distributors. Sure. I knew I knew a package that had to be kept cold. Yeah. They lied to the person out of state that they brought it into Texas and said, We're the only people here that have refrigerated trucks that run this pipeline. Mm -hmm. And then I visit their warehouses um, as a consultant, and there's no, there's not a cooler there. I said, you guys, if this doesn't say cold, it continues to ferment. No, yeah, no big deal. Mm -hmm. but no, it, it is actually a very big deal because the alcohol content is sure. four or five. Yeah. It's probably going to be seven. You're deceiving the consumer. You're deceiving yeah. the consumer. The calorie count changes. Like all these things yeah. change because of this. Yeah. And then they're like, oh. So, and, and that's my argument is, you know, and a self-distributing, like we have plenty of challenges, right? I mean, we don't have much cold space, right? In, in stores, we got to fight and then we do, they do shelf resets and it's always yep. with the distributors. So there's always that battle that we have too, but we're, and that's why we've chosen to grow the way that we grow and the pace that we grow and geographically where we grow is we try to have our quality control for our product is kind of... It's done by itself, right? Yeah. Our product is always close to us. We always know it. I mean, we had two cans uh, of melted snowman that just went out, and we delivered all these in one day, right? So, one of the twenty-eight HEBs that we went into had what we called silver bullets. They didn't have labels on them because we we manually laid them off the, the canning line. We found those. Tell me, a distributor is going to find two cans out of twenty-eight HEBs that didn't have labels? Nothing about the product. It was yeah. just the the you know the physical. Uh, label was not on them and, and so we pulled them and replaced them so that kind of stuff I can't do if I'm a a certain size or be with a distributor yeah. so those are the things like I, I just can't have compromised my product it's that to, to us is is we want the product to sell itself and mm -hmm. build those relationships and that's why self-distribution for me is is key going all the way back to your point of I'm gonna go do it uh, Right after we get done here, I'll go to lunch. I'm gonna have a beer at one of our retailers with one of the beer buyers. So it's like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I probably you can do if you're with a distributor, but you're not going to that much. And no. I do it all the time with all of my accounts um, or most of my accounts. And 
that relationship aspect is, I mean, it's important, obviously, but that's also where I have fun. Like, it makes this business fun. So, it's it's one of these the beer business is one of those crazy businesses that, from the outside looking in, I think people miss two things, and you you brought both up eloquently. One is the crazy amount of hard work that you have to do, mm-hmm. but two is the crazy amount of fun, and also for every holiday party, for every event, for every neighborhood get together, you're also the most popular guy there. <laughs> Unless you don't bring the beer. Unless you don't bring the beer, right? <laughs> if you bring chocolates, you're going to get your ass kicked. It's one of the downfalls, right? <laughs> Everywhere you go, they're, every question, I can go to a school function, they're like, did you bring beer? Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm here for my daughter's you know, Thanksgiving. Yeah, but it's right here. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. We can't drink on school grounds. I got a note from the principal. We can't. That's in Cran. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, Kreischer, Bert Kreischer has that joke where he you know, loves Tito's and loves to drink beer. And he goes, yeah, you know, I was woke up, hung over, had to go to a parent-teacher's conference, grabbed the Diet Coke. I just had to wake up. I go in. I sit down. I crack it open. It hits my lips. Fuck. It's a Coors Light. <laughs> he goes, so what did I do? Well, I slammed it. <laughs> of course. And I threw it away. And then I thought, God, I hope the next one's a Coors Light because... Who wants a Diet Coke after you've had a Coors Light? <laughs> I love it. I was like, there's probably a couple soccer moms like, I do, just watch my figure, yeah. you know? <laughs> Clean the palate that way. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, there's a, uh, it's, it's a weird thing. It is. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. But that's the best part about, it. one, and, and that's the other best part, the best part. There's another great part about the beer industry is also, I'm sure, the stories you get to hear of people that have enjoyed your product or the memories oh, yeah. you've helped create. Yeah. The, that that pull and, and Budweiser has tried and failed, and I'm waiting for a microbrewery to do it correctly. And small bars in certain areas have done it well, but I'm wondering when someone is gonna. And I know there's legal laws and there's there's, there's things that legal laws. There's laws and there's things that that happen that, that don't allow you to sometimes celebrate people drinking mm-hmm. in, in some ways. Yeah. But I'm waiting for someone to figure out how to capture that that memory, that moment, like yeah. this was fueled or created by, or, you know, we, we had this moment shared around this. Budweiser tried to were like, okay, everyone brings a Budweiser. And I was like, no, because the great thing about beer drinkers is, is that I can bring a Black Star, you can have a White Stone, someone can bring a Live Oak, someone can bring an Independence. Mm-hmm. No one else is looking around going, oh, dude, you can't hang out with us, you have yeah. Live Oak. Yeah. They're like, hey, which one is that? Oh, you know, I haven't had that one before. Well, here, try that. Yeah. And, and I think they missed the boat on that part when they're yeah. just trying to, when they're trying to push their product versus pushing an agenda of an overall brand, which is, and it gets the meme that says, you know, no one ever had a fun night that started off with, I, I drank my glass of milk. <laughs> nope. No, they didn't. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I, I wonder when that, or how that's going to, I don't know, because yeah. I see breweries like this, and, and, and I'm sure the memories that you have, and, and I, don't, I don't know how it's done, but I'm sure grassroots in some way it's going to happen. Yeah, and that's definitely down the line of, of that's more our style of marketing. We're, there was a study done, um, there's probably been several studies, but there was a set, study done about beer drinkers, what their favorite beer is, and what the reason, outside of style and, and taste, why is it your favorite beer? And it was based on memories. Like, yeah. I remember this. It was something that triggered that. And so, yeah, beer is very much, maybe alcohol in general, but beer is is very much a um, an experience-driven, uh, I guess, 
bonus that we get in life. But you, you, it's you know we opened this this pub because or, or our brew pub beer garden because we want conversation around beers. Yeah, um, I think that's definitely and that falls right back into self distribution. We can tell our own story, do all that stuff. But that is very much so, and I, I see that a lot with the breweries around here and probably craft in general that's people want to tell their stories and have that conversation and create an experience around the beer and yeah you're not going to get knocked if we have a guy that comes in here does beer shares and we'll have 30 different breweries beers in don't tell TOBC that I don't know exactly <laughs> legal, but we're not opening them right yeah <laughs> so. this is sharing sharing is caring I, I love this part of the movie real quick so one just the way he yells at him, and he's just, he's got that southern voice. He's almost like he's spitting at him. It's like Boss like, Hog. Yeah, he's like, I can't believe, son, that you talked to me that way with your mouth <laughs> and your filth that comes out of your mouth. I'm a sheriff, and I'm just waiting for him to go, cockwalkers. Like, he's just, like, just something weird to come out of his, he just, something it. weird to come out of his mouth like that. And instead, you know, he's like, well, you just, you know what? And I'm chasing a man who has killed deputizers like you. And, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't understand the words that are coming. He is that dumb old Southerner. He yeah. doesn't understand the words that are coming yeah. out of his mouth. He's got his dumb son with him that holds his hat on while he drives down the road. And he's got his, just alcohol red face going. Oh, yeah. I just had a bourbon this morning with breakfast. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's his yelling tire, tirades are the best. We're like, well, I don't care where you're from, sir. You are not deputized yeah. to do this, that, and the other. And he's all, I'm not a deputy. I'm a sheriff. And it's like, no, you don't understand what he's saying. And, of course, he's cowboy hat driving a Cadillac. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cowboy hat driving a Cadillac. A, uh, a You know, you've got, you got the, the bandit running. And I, I also found this very, very interesting. Right, All the bandit's doing is running from cops and playing a worse bad guy. Yeah. And then the semi, so that they can bootleg this course. Yeah, original. <laughs> it is. I'm glad you reminded me of the the whole plot of the movie because that's oh, it's pretty funny. It is pretty. I mean, it's 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 very interesting. It's it's yeah. just, it's one of those things. That I wonder. Um, and I and I've seen people try to do it, and, and I do it as well. Like when I drive to Kentucky, when I drive back, I take the long, a little bit of a longer way back. I I always try to stay up the freeways. Yeah. In the mornings when we leave, we'll leave at four or five in the morning. I will melatonin my daughter and my wife so that they get up four more hours of sleep, and I can cut across and like hit parts of Louisiana as we go up to nice. Nashville. And just dad. take the long way, right? <laughs> it's just a little longer, but also like, it breaks it up. Every sixty miles, there's a new town. Oh yeah, and, and I'm like, I just won't oh. make it a road trip. Right? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I should stop in that diner. And I walk in, and there's a coffee. I'm like, I should leave this diner. Yeah, you know, but, but I have this idea of having like a black coffee and a, and a piece of toast, yeah. and, and there's the locals are around me and. Yeah. Or stopping in the store and picking up the local beer that's in that area, whatever it may be. But I will, you know, theoretically, right? Not theoretically, I will not bootleg a semi, but I will stop in different states and different areas. And but what's your local beer here? Where do I? Pick if you some do up? bootleg a semi, you better call me. Yeah, I'll let you know. I may have some in my fridge already. Some excellent apple pie. They made some good chocolate cherry moonshine. It's almost like a dessert. Really? Very, very good. He tried to tell me. This, this guy. So I'm at his house. He's got cameras around. Honey! I'm like, who? Get, hey, we're there last Thanksgiving, and I already feel bad for him. He's in your boat. He's a Detroit Lions fan. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's rough. He's got the overalls on, the Detroit Lions hat, and like a, 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 a turkey shirt underneath. <laughs> and he's like, get, get out the get out the shiners. 
I'm like, huh? And he pulls them all out. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You know, I've tried these. He goes, not for my fridge, Janet. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I've now had like five different shots. He goes, I got one more for you. It's a new recipe. I said, oh, please, sir, by all means. Here you go. Pumpkin pie. And I was like, ah, oh, that's a hard pass for me. <laughs> drink it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so I drink it. And he just took light lightning and just shoved pumpkin pie in there. <laughs> And he's like, it's a little grainy. I'm like, that's one way to describe it. I'm going to have to floss after this. <laughs> so gross. That's one way to do a flavored uh, alcohol. Yeah. So then he, 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 we, we buy some moonshine. And he walks over and puts his arm around me. And he goes, what else you want? I'm good. He goes, no, I already got Keith's money. I want your money. Like, oh, shit. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Thank you, though. Uh, maybe next time I'll come here. I don't have any cash. You know, I don't know a cash guy. Okay, next time bring cash. I'm like, all right. So we go to leave, and he goes to hand me the moonshine, and he goes, where'd you get this? I'm like, get, get what? He goes, good answer. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah. The yeah, accidental yeah. right answer. Yeah, yeah the accidental good. right answer. <laughs> like, so if you don't mind me asking, and he goes, oh, I, he sells it all in Detroit. So he fills up, and he's got a U-Haul, that he fills up full, and like this, drives it up to Detroit, distributes it around once a month, and then drives back down. <laughs> I was like, this is your job? He's like, why don't, if you're, you're good at this, like some of your flavors are good. The chocolate cherry is very good. Your apple pie is good. Uh, I'm just curious, like, why don't you, you know, just make it? He goes, it ruins it when the government touches their finger in it. <laughs> that sounds like what I expected to hear. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, guess what else ruins it? Prison. So yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I was watching a show Moonshiners and I'm like, they're on TV doing this. Like, it's uh, got to be a short term type thing, right? They, biggest bullshit show just and all of a sudden you know as the show comes out like by the way have you seen my distillery and my my new packaging yeah, line? exactly <laughs> it's just it's unaged whiskey that's all it is yep it's just there's, there's there's unless you're making good flavors out of white lightning which some people can do and i can't we talked earlier about like the sweetness and the sugar i can't imagine how much sugar you've got to dump into white lightning oh, to man. make it yeah that's about as close to ethanol as you're going to get right there. Oh, yeah. Just run, out, run low on gas. Yeah. Grab the clear stuff, yeah. honey. <laughs> what? Just trust me. It'll, we'll make it to the gas station. For sure. Uh, when we were uh, as a kid growing up, I don't know if I told this story in the podcast or not, but it, it reminds me of this. So riding down, doing the trucks, the old, you know, the, the road trips, if you will, mm-hmm. of, of, you know, and, the, and the, how everyone was terrified and uh, the truckers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember my dad like, you know, this is the trucker. Yeah, they'll cut them off. And when they want to, when they want to pass you, or they want to do something, or get over, they turn your lights off and on, and they yeah. know to come over. And you're always nice to them because they'll run you off the road. Yeah, and they're a network. And, and they talk network. to each other. Yeah, I was terrified of them. Yeah, and I would just sit there and bug my dad, and my dad would would just, I mean, he would create space. He would never really pass them. It was a, it was like the mafia driving down the road. Yeah. Yeah, my uncle was a, uh, he was a truck driver, Vietnam vet, kind of came back a little bit weird. He was a truck driver. We used to live in this little residential neighborhood. I think first house, house that my mom and dad bought before they got divorced. And, you know, the streets weren't even that wide. He'd come up with a semi and just park it right in the front yard like it's a freaking Toyota Camry. Yeah. <laughs> so here you go. Yeah. yeah. Where are you? I'm right you know, here. Uncle Bob, I don't, I don't think they're going to like you sitting there for a week. Yeah, it'll yeah. be good. It'll be fine. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, jump on my lap. Let's drive this truck. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. That was the other. Or, or, and back in the day, you could drive with your family when you would go past where everyone passed you. You could do the yeah, hand the old, motion, yeah. and they would honk. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Oh, the good the good old days. Yep. Now you do it. You get the finger. Yeah. Now they just don't. I mean, now they're tired. Yeah. They they can only drive so many hours, uh, which is good. Don't get me wrong. That is good. Yeah. That's good. Safety precautions. Safety first, please. But it was, you know, now they got the, yeah, there they are. This whole movie is all about just blowing the horn, making everything work. I love it. I mean, this is, you know, this is one, it's also, this is a weird movie in the fact that all this does is celebrate how many different ways you can break the law. Yeah. Right? You got bad cops, you got running from the cops, you got moonshine, bootlegging, or just beer bootlegging. Yeah. Uh, you've got hiding criminals. It's, it's Dukes of Hazard with uh, bootlegging. It is. It's, it's Dukes of Hazard with beer and a, a lot less racism. It's really. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> it's yeah. All accurate. Yeah. But you know, it's also it's one of those crazy. I mean, it. It's amazing that this movie probably couldn't get made today. No, and I think that's. Applicable for a lot of movies. It's a lot. Now. Oh yeah. yeah, it's it really is. And we definitely it, live in more of a sensitive climate nowadays. Yeah, it's. I was uh, my my buddy was talking. And he said he put this up on, on I think on Facebook or something. I I loved it. He's like the next time you see a bumper sticker or an ad or hear someone talking about in politics or religion or whatever that that, that offends you, instead of getting mad, maybe you should be happy and celebrate the fact that you live in a country where you can also do those things. Yeah. Maybe instead of focusing on what makes you upset, focus on the fact that you too can also say different things and that's okay. And it can make somebody else. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, and, you know, I guess it, not to get too political or no, serious please. here because I love uh, joking around, but yeah, it, it's unfortunate that we can't even have political conversations anymore without somebody getting, you know, overly pissed off. But I think it, it all boils down to the fact that we live in a free country. I would argue that it's the best country. Yeah. Right? I think a lot of people would. Freedom always comes at a price in some way, form, or fashion, right? So you can't have, you know, freedom of speech or Second Amendment without, you know, there being some idiot that grabs a gun and kills somebody. And so there's always or Somebody those, gets their feelings hurt when you say something. Hurt, yeah. yeah. And that, that's the more minor variety, yeah. right, obviously. So, yeah. I mean, it's a trade-off and, you know, yeah, we, we live in a different climate nowadays, but social media, all that stuff has, has changed. <laughs> These were the good old days. <laughs> and, and they really, you know, there's a part of them that really was. And there's a part of them that, of course, wasn't. And 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 both are, in my mind, both are wins, right? Because mm-hmm. where, I think in the, in the perplexity of where we have grown in you know, not being... As well, some would argue it might be more, some would argue less, but I would say not being as racist and, sure. and not looking at someone. I, I gave my grandmother grief for this, and she's in her mid 90s. She doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a relative that's going to forward and say, Go to this part. They're going to believe what Jason said. <laughs> but uh, I remember she was where, where, and she is. She was born in the South. Okay. She's been around for almost 100 years. And we're, uh, we're hanging out, and. Uh, she was, she, went, she was in Helena, Mon- or Townsend, Montana. Population about 400 people. Okay. She goes, I went to Helena the other day. I said, oh, yeah. She goes, guess what I saw? I'm like, what? She goes, black man. <laughs> and I go, oh. You know, I think they just like to be called people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, I don't know what they like to be called. And I was like, uh-oh. I, just, I opened Pandora. And then she goes yeah. down the list from when she was a kid oh, boy. to all the different iterations of names that she called them. Yeah. And I said, once again, Grammy, 
that's what you call them. I think what they've always liked to be called is what all of us like to be called, which is just people. Yeah. So was the man you saw doing anything different, or was he just in Montana with a different color of skin? Was he just in Montana being black? And she goes, <laughs> you know what? You make me sound racist. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I can do, do it yourself. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Listen, I mean, you're... And, and, and it's not... She doesn't have that... <laughs> And I do, and someone's going to get mad at me and send me an email. I do think there's a difference of old person that doesn't know better racism that's just like, sure. I'm confused. And then there's mean-spirited people who have something against someone because of the color of their oh, skin. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And she is just, well, I grew up in this time, and then I saw all these changes, and I don't know what to, to say anymore. And it looks like you're making fun of me when you say people. And I'm like, no, yeah. that's pretty, that's kind of the status quo moving forward. Yeah. People. I mean, you can boil it down to, you know, and I'm not comparing this to racism, but yeah. the, the the social media age has created such a sensitivity around anything. Everybody's it's just overly sensitive. But yes, you, you go back to that day and age. I had a great grandfather that you know the N word just flew off his tongue. Yeah. And it's like I don't think he had anything necessarily against it, but it was a segregated time, and you just he was raised from three, four, five years old to know you know you use different bathrooms and all of that, and and so. I don't know. They always say that you, you learn the most, you know, your, your brain is kind of um, is formed at, you know, that two to five years, I think, is what it is. Well, that was his two to five year window was like, those are black people, these are white people. But he didn't have a, there wasn't a hatred there. So you're absolutely right. I think there's a difference between, you know, like a, a white supremacy of nowadays where they have a hatred, right? Yeah. To somebody that just grew up like that and it's, they're just, you have differences, you're segregated, right? Yeah, and then and then there's unfortunately there's assholes like me who try to make it a joke. Yeah. When honestly, if I'd have probably said it differently, my grandmother would have been, oh, you know what, you got a good point. Yeah. But I'm around family, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to make everyone laugh instead. <laughs> no, I have a story to tell. Yeah. Which makes me almost more at fault than her. Yeah. But it's, I mean, you know, I you, you look at, um, and I also think that when you erase some of these things, like if you try to take this movie away, or when they took off, you know, All in the Family and Archie Bunker. Mm-hmm. You also miss a point of how, how you, 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 you lose the stepping stone of where we grew from. Mm-hmm. And so you lose that piece of, and you don't understand, you're looking at television shows from Friends and Seinfeld, a show about nothing, or a show about a bunch of young kids in their 20s that couldn't afford that apartment with the money they make today. Mm-hmm. And you miss the stepping stone of, well, that was meant to be racist for a reason, to mm-hmm. bring awareness yeah. to where we should be going yeah. and and to, to take that off the air and be like well that's racist it's like no it was done that way on purpose like Blazing Saddles Blazing Saddles yeah. <laughs> you're not remaking that film no no that wouldn't you, fly these days you couldn't remake that film as a silent movie yeah <laughs> okay I mean good that is lord the truth. Yeah. yeah but there was a purpose behind it and if you look at the purpose behind it of looking at how we've grown and what we've done and how we can treat people better and everything else, then you win. Yeah. And and unfortunately, when you start, you know, just taking things off the air because someone's feelings got hurt, for, and instead of saying sitting down with them and going, "Hey, let's look at it's, it's let's look at this and, and let's let's understand what's going on." I mean, it's like people. I've always said, if you're if you're in a place of of religious authority. You should have a PhD in history because mm-hmm. you should be able to tell me culturally what was happening that makes the impacts of those words more impressive. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing where we have grace and substance in, in history. Uh, you know, marriage between a man and a woman, 
Old Testament. Concubines. But he was a hero. Concubines. But he did this. And, and, and we can have the grace in that, but we can't have the grace in 40 years ago to look back and say, oh, that was actually controversial at the time because mm-hmm. it did these things. Yeah. There is definitely an importance to history, like it or not. Um, but I don't what The point I was getting at before is, is you can even argue, and again, this is not what I'm comparing to, to yeah. racism, no, of but course. social media puts a label on everything. It allows people to put a label on everything and be judgmental. And that's really what, what needs to get tossed away. And yeah. Because when it boils down to it, that's what we're judging people for whatever reason. And that's where the problem that's the core of the problem, I think. And I, I can't stand it. Somebody cannot know something about Whitestone, for instance, and a label's put on you, right? And I'm going, can you just sit down and have a conversation? Like, so, you know, we do a lot of reputation management, just, you know, and the slow growth is for people to really understand <clears throat> what our beers are, what the styles we do, why we do them, all of that stuff. Organically building kind of a, a, a brand and a, a story. Oh, and we, sometimes you don't get that chance. It's funny you bring that up. It, it brought back. So in L.A., launching Black Star Beer, mm-hmm. double hop, premium long. Good beer. Really enjoyed it. Uh, we had a red and a, and, a, and a black lager, which I've never understood the black lager. I, just, <clears throat> I, I can't wrap my head around it because I, I don't know it's the color that throws me off. It's not necessarily the taste. Yeah. If, 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 it was in a, if it was in something I couldn't see, I would drink more. I'm, I'm with you. The black lagers or the black IPAs, Cascadian yeah. IPA. I can't do I, just, I can't get into them. But we were at a, uh, so we did the Hollywood premiere and we're the official beer for the launch of Blade. <laughs> and Wesley Snipes, all three, two of him, three foot two, <laughs> tiny man, came in. And he said he wanted us, he didn't want our beer served there because it was racist because he himself is the true black star. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, the beer got kicked out of a bar. Wow. That we were sponsoring. The party we were sponsoring, that we paid for. He is the black star. And That's the cool. owner's like, listen, as we get, we're in bottles with the <clears> paper. <throat> He's like, I'll have my staff just take the labels off. I go, no. Yeah. I'm not de-labeling my beer, so <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it. But like, I don't know what it is, though. Yeah. It's the Homer Simpson beer. Yeah, beer. It's what's you know. He's like, well, you can just kind of cover it up. If people ask, we'll tell him. I'm like, no, let me meet him and ask and tell him. <laughs> I walk up and I let him know, like, this is the this is his name. This is where it's from. He's like, yeah, it still sounds racist to me. I don't want it in here. Wow. And it's cool story though. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's a weird thing. It's like we talk about reputation management and, and naming and everything else. It's one of those weird things where you go, okay, um, kind of missing the point. Yeah. Why they about, oh, okay. I mean, you, you constantly feel like you're going to offend. Uh, and we do it all the time. We have a naming board back there, and we will not be visiting that or, or <laughs> any of those things. But you just feel like you're, no matter what you do, somebody's going to take offense to something somehow or pick something apart. Yeah. But that's just become our society. And I do it every time, whether it's a beer name we're going out with. I mean, shit, size can or anything. People will, there's just that negative faction of people that will... How do you pick something apart? How do you do the beer name? Because I remember, I mean, this got big enough. Uh, was it on sixty minutes? I think it was on sixty minutes. But they're talking about the microbrew explosion, and the fact that the reason names are getting weirder is because all of these microbrews that well, are, they're all <laughs> even the most obscure names are like you Google it and you're like, what? Why does somebody think of that? Well, I guess I thought of it. So uh, yeah, but yeah, trademark attorneys are loving it because they're oh. going to be busy for the next. 300 years it's like 
Yeah, it's it's really tough to come up with a name, but you know, you don't always you can duplicate a name um, as long as you don't sell it outside. So we can do a taproom release that it doesn't matter. Okay. You get TABC label approval, and you know you got to make sure. And TABC doesn't care. It's more if that beer gets big and you want to expand it. You, last thing you want is trademarks to come and yeah, exactly. Cease and desist for did it? For that was it Stone that did that? So, yeah, so with, one of the big brands got got in trouble, right? No, yeah. they did the thing with Keystone where they were just showing the Stone yeah. side, but. Wasn't also Stone on the other end of that where they went after a smaller brewer and they yeah, got Yeah, there's it. been a lot of those examples, actually. Yeah. And actually, a lot of the smaller brewers are, are winning those suits that, that get the publicity. But um, uh, what was the last one? Stone's last one against Keystone was very interesting. That was, it was pretty funny, yeah. Well, it was a good... It was, it was a good... I don't know if that's totally dead yet, either. It's not dead. Yeah. It's not. It's... Uh, it's you know, those guys are... I was. Do you go to the uh, to the big beer festivals? And we do. Yep. How does I, I imagine it's like high school where there's cliques and there's like there's like the Stone guys yeah. are like they were the quarterback. You know, they're like we got we got two or three quarterbacks and then you've got the, you know you just. I think the after parties definitely turn into that type of thing. The, the, yeah. The shows themselves, like JBF, is such a shit show. It's eighty thousand people just getting drunk off one ounce pours, so you don't see that too much. But yeah, yeah there's definitely cliques in this industry. In the Vegas one, uh, we got kicked out. I forget what the, the cocktail, whatever. We had St. Ives there, and we uh, we were giving away cans. Okay. We already we got in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we brought Snoop Dogg in, and he started just performing. <laughs> That's just, awesome. We just created a mob, <laughs> and we got kicked out. And then I was helping this other brewery out. They're uh, they're they're natural. They're like all natural. Fermented with honey and all this. Okay. Yeah. So I'm at all these natural food shows yeah. where they don't serve any alcohol. And their majority of their flavors were non-alcohol, and they had this line of five alcohols. I'm like, all right, just send me the alcohol kegs. Like, uh, they're not allowed to serve alcohol there. Send a keg, who cares? <laughs> and so people, there'd be a line at my booth because everyone's like, hey, have you tried the uh, gluten-free uh, broccoli squirrel shit pizza? No, I haven't. Does it come with hazelnut? It does come with hazelnut. Have you tried this with 5% alcohol over there? And they're just pouring it in glasses for me. And like, yeah. huh? And so, <laughs> I've got the Kobayana people next to me. I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? I'm like, here, booze. And they're like, what? Yeah. And so I had two kegs of the plain stuff, of just their two most popular flavors. Yeah. And then I had 10 kegs of their alcohol. We were there for three days, and halfway through the third day, all the alcohol was done, and people were pissed. Like, I'm not supposed to have it here. And the people who ran the show coming over were like, people are really upset you're out of alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> You don't even average. have an alcohol license, and people are pissed. Yeah, <laughs> not that you served it; that you're out. Next year, can you bring more? Yeah. I was like, yeah, sure, not a problem. <laughs> but you'd get these natural grocers to be like, oh, we don't have a beer and wine permit. Can we, if we got one, can we sell your stuff? I'm like, yeah, sure, go ahead. I don't, I don't know what your state laws are, uh, but yeah, 100. Uh, that's good. It always worked out good. It was just. I, I love the uh, and let, let's wrap up on this right so I love the end of this movie because they deliver they're about to get paid right they need a getaway car they get this beautiful convertible Cadillac mm -hmm. which I used to have really 76 convertible Cadillac car. it was brown on brown on brown we called it UPS because it always delivered it got us from <laughs> A to B no matter what <laughs> right uh, and they're just about to get the money and he goes I'll double the bet so they've already won 80 Okay. We're going to get Smoking the Bandit 2 out of this because I'm going to double that bet and I bet you that you can't do X, Y, and Z for me. And, you know, the bandit goes, we'll take it. 
and they tear away in the in, in the in the red convertible caddy, as you know. And and I wonder with that, right? Oh, by the way, the next movie coming up is Stallone over the top, and we can nice. we can spend hours here now. <laughs> Damn you, Amazon! Right that is that is a great film. Uh, what is um, what's your next bet? My next bet. Uh, what's what's the next big thing for for I mean so we've got the current big thing right and it's already sure, sold out sure we we you know um, but a, a couple of things let's close out with this one what's your next big thing that you th- that you want to do with this brewery and then and then also after that tell people how they can find you where they can find you all that good stuff and we'll and then I'll I'll have that all in the description everything cool. else and stuff uh, our next big thing so I'm starting to build this skeleton of a a second facility like I said we're we're fairly close to hitting the ceiling of what capacity wise and just does that change if you have a second facility then is it a thousand a thousand at each, at each correct, location correct yeah and if you have nice. a third facility then it goes to um, I believe 3500 I can't remember exactly because I'm so far off from having yeah. a third facility I didn't, <laughs> didn't really pay attention like, I'm not doing that now. yeah TBC said it's like oh all you gotta do is have three I'm like that'll be like 30 years from now uh, so you know, you can never plan too early. So that that's kind of a two to five year plan, depending on how much more we grow this. Um, we'll probably top out at about 3,000 barrels here. Um, we're at 2,200 right now. So hopefully at the end of 2019, we're kind of further along in that okay. in that planning process and location. We haven't really settled on where that will be. Um, I think Circle C's nice. I'm right there. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be good for me. <laughs> I know I you're mean, planning around me. We've we, we now spent an hour and a half together. You're like, sure, Jason, no, let's work around your schedule. <laughs> If you drink all of our beer, I will open up there. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, I got I got a good group of guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're trying to plan that. As far as beers, um, we'll come out with. I mean, we very much predicated ourselves on having a variety of beers all the time. We kind of have to because we self distribute. We can only serve the beers we we brew here. We I cannot bring in any other beer. Um, so a lot of people don't know that's actually a law. So. Um, it's really important for us to, especially being in Cedar Park, to have a variety of beers called kind of the beer rainbow because we still get a lot of people that come in here and say, hey, I'd love a, a bud. Give me a bud. Yeah. And we go, okay, well, here's a blonde or a Try this one, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's important for us to keep that variety going. It's challenging too. And then do something that we really want to do with some marketing behind it, maybe once a quarter next year. So okay. beer-wise, that's what we'll do. And, and hopefully seasonally, stylistically, appropriate but um, yeah as far as uh, where you can find our beers we're we're in we had very much an inside out growth mentality so from Cedar Park we're probably in a 20 mile radius um, pretty much every HEB um, minus maybe two or three um, a lot of mom and pop little gas stations and that, that actually have a craft beer selection we we very much try to sell our beer where uh, they have a beer, craft beer drinking demographic. So, you know, we don't have to really check in on our beer and we're, we're trying to sell it all within three months. So anywhere you know that has a great craft beer selection, not 100% of the places, but we're typically in that yeah. type of place in and around the Cedar Park, Austin, and we have our toes into San Antonio right now, about five, 10 accounts. Nice. Yeah. So wow, very we're nice. slowly growing. Website? Uh, whitestonebrewery.com. Uh, you can actually go there and pictures of our. A lot of people don't know we're a, this size of a tap room with beer garden. We do events, live music, uh, permanent food truck on site. So you can get all that information if you want to do an event. We have um, kind of a form you can fill out and contact. I kind of want to do an event here. I want to. I'll talk to you about it off mic. I got an idea. All right. 
I like I'll it. I'll tell you about our Oktoberfest that we do in the neighborhood, and then the, the one I want to do that I think will be fun. I like uh, it. Everyone's like, no, no, shut we up. We do a lot of them. We do, and we do fundraisers a lot. You know, I'm a two-time cancer survivor, so we we do. We have a few causes that we're really passionate about around here, and we kind of have the venue to do it. We just did a food drive actually for uh, Leander ISD, which I mean, there's crazy stuff happening where there's this little this little pocket of Leander right here that kids do not have any food. And what? Yeah, it's crazy. So Leander ISD approached us and said, "Hey, listen, there's you know a really poor section of, of Leander that these kids go and have no coats, no food, no." none of this stuff and it kind of blows your mind that yeah in a growing area like this that that still exists so we did a food drive and everybody's always responsible around it we have an awesome community around here anytime we do a fundraiser even if it's something that the the community may not be personally attached to they still come out and support it full force so um we do a lot of that stuff and it's awesome yeah that's very cool it's always been a good good result so hey folks there you have it uh nothing better than one a cold beer Add on top of that, nothing better than a, than a cold beer that supports the local community. Uh, with that, Smokey and the Bandit, Ryan, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. That was a good time. I'm glad, I'm glad you liked it. Now you guys get to listen to your favorite part, my daughter singing about the first time she took a poop by herself. <laughs> Enjoy. <Nice. laughs>